Good morning and welcome to the Automation Morning Show for Wednesday, September 13th, 2023. My name is Sean Tierney from the Automation Blog and School. And this is a show in which I cover what's new and happening in industrial automation. I hope your Wednesday morning is off to a great start. And uh, let's go ahead and jump right into the news. First, though, I would like to ask if you do enjoy these shows, please consider following us and giving us a like. Um, you can do so on LinkedIn, I think, where most of you are. But uh, you can also do it on YouTube. You can do it on Facebook and Twitter and so many other destinations that we're on. We try to be on them all. And uh, if you can give us a like and a sub, we really appreciate it. It makes a big difference to how many people we can reach and then how many vendors we can get to come on our shows. So with that said, I do want to thank today's sponsor, which is theautomationschool.com. If you know anybody who needs PLC, HMI, or SCADA training, please ask them to check out theautomationschool.com. From there, we go to a uh, press release from Rockwell Automation, and uh, it's all about a brand new line of fully managed Ethernet switches that they released, the Stratix 5200. Now, this is dated September 12th, yesterday. I kind of thought this line was already out, but I haven't been following it as closely as maybe some of you are. In any case, some of the high points about this uh, switch is that um, they are layer two switches. They come in either a base or full firmware release. They come in six, 10 and 20 port options. And um, they also are based on Cisco's latest iOS XE platform, which gives you a new graphical interface for the web page when you set it up. And uh, another thing I thought was interesting is that they're also supporting IEC 62443-4-2 for cybersecurity. Now, you remember, we've had them, uh, ISA, on the show to talk about uh, 62443. As a matter of fact, we're having them back on to talk about I ISA Secure here in the very near future. So I'm looking forward to that. So with that, we'll go to the next story here, and that is from ISA. And it looks like uh, UL Solutions has joined ISA Secure the program in support of IEC 62443. So congratulations to ISA and UL for working together on that. From there, we go over to a big product announcement from Cognex, right? They have entered a new market with the launch of their Insight Snap Vision Sensor, okay? And so this is great for those, um, you know, those applications where you have to do presence sensing or absence sensing, or you have to do assembly verification or defect detection. It has a lot of algorithms or AI built into it. And uh, this is very similar to uh, some other products we've seen on the product and technology show from other vendors. It's great to see Cognex releasing this new solution. And this solution, it does not require you to be a vision expert, which is one of the things I, I love about the trend in this industry. So congratulations to Cognex on their new Insight Snap Vision Sensor. From there, we go over to another announcement. This one's over at A3, the Association for Advancing Automation. And this is from Beckoff. Now, I think we've covered some of this in the past, but um, this new press release uh, dated yesterday uh, talks about their new camera lighting and lensing hardware. Now, these new products, the cameras are IP67 and 65, same thing for the lighting, and they both support EtherCAT. So very interesting. The, the cameras come up to uh, 24 megapixels, which is pretty good for an industrial camera. And I support gig E vision transfer rates of 2.44, I'm sorry, 2.5 gigabits. Um, the lighting, also EtherCAT enabled, supports multicolor LED illumination. Um, it comes in panels, comes in rings, comes in bars, and so on. And I think 
But this picture up here gives you a really good idea of the um, the breadth of this product line. So check that out. That is Beckoff's uh, new vision technology. From there, we go over to Umron. They have an article here. I thought this was really good. It's about the their compliant solutions for sex and jam. Now, I had, hadn't done any reading about uh, SECS or GEM in a while. These are, uh, you know, protocols or communication standards used in semiconductor industry, right? And so I really felt that Omron did a great job of kind of bringing us up to speed. What is jam? What is sex? And uh, kind of explaining it in layman's terms. So if you um, don't, don't use it on a daily basis and you need a refresher, you have somebody new on your staff, excellent article. They do end the article by mentioning that their NJ machine automation controllers do support sex jam functionality. So that's good to know. And there's a link here to a white paper if you want to know more details. From there, we go over to a new article from Stratton. Now, we re, uh, recently saw that they released version 12 of their control engine, right? So this is a soft programmable controller engine that runs many products. Um, and one of the things they talk about here is that um, this article particularly focuses in on the redundancy S2 Profinet IO. And what you can see here, let's see if I can make this image a little bit bigger, is you can see that uh, now, uh, if you have a programmable controller powered by Stratton version 12, you can set up your controllers as a, in a redundant peer and communicate to Profinet.io. So very interesting, a great upgrade for Stratton. And uh, if you're using Stratton, it's nice to know that you can use these redundancy systems now. From there, we go over to our featured product of today. This is the Automation School's Mega AB Online Course Bundle. So in this course, you get uh, training courses on Control Logics, Compact Logics, VUSE, Panel V Plus. You get PLC Basics, which is kind of intro to the PLCs, just in the MicroLogics. You get Micro 800 training. You get um, training on how to use CCW with uh, PowerFlex drives. And you get some bonus courses as well. Now, this, this is $549 for all of this. So this is several months of training for one time price of $549. I know some other people who don't have this breadth and depth of training um, charge that for a year. And, you know, a lot of people say, hey, well, how can you afford to do it for a lifetime? Now, you know, first of all, if you buy anything digital today, right, if you buy a song, you buy an audiobook or an ebook, you buy it once, you own it forever. And the reason everybody does that is because it's a, just a fact that, you know, 95% of the books bought never get read, right? And the uh, same thing for audiobooks, not as high, but um, MP3 songs, typically people listen to them right away. But in any case, having had my courses on other platforms in the past before I just went exclusively with theautomationschool.com, um, the same holds true for training courses. A lot of times in people's lives, right, they'll, they'll buy a course, they'll start a course, and they're excited about it, and then life happens, right? Could be anything from, you know, having to find a new job to having a baby to who knows what, right? And so a lot of times they'll, they won't be able to come back for a year or two and finish the course. And I really enjoy the fact that, uh, you know, some people came back, come back and they say, oh, how, how do I reset my password? I haven't been here for a couple of years. You know, we've been around for almost 10 years now. And uh, so, so there's, there's, it's not like people take the course a hundred times, right? They come, they want to take it once. They want to come back and take refreshes from time to time, especially with RS Links or RS Links Enterprise, RS Links Classic, because those can be a little difficult to use. 
The other thing is, if you design your courses well, right, if you really put some thought into your lessons, you're not going to get a lot of nuisance questions. I mean, they happen every once in a while. I'll get somebody who asks, hey, uh, you know, something simple, that's it. And I just point them. I say, hey, why don't you look at the two-minute mark in the video? I cover that in excruciating detail. Um, so in any case, uh, you don't get a lot of those. And, and the questions you do get make, you know, make me and the other students better right? Because they're asking questions a lot of times based on their applications, uh, you know, in the field. And so it's something new and interesting. And so it makes me a better instructor and it makes the other students better too. Because it, you know, you can see every student can see all the Q&A and some of this Q&A goes on for quite a bit, you know, and it's great stuff. And it's actually, I'm going to be using that Q&A in the upcoming lessons I start filming on uh, Alan Bradley PLC. So I'll be doing that from uh, really from, you know, now until uh, March timeframe when I switch over to HMIs. But in any case, so that's, it's, it's not unaffordable to do that. It's actually the industry standard. And uh, I'll tell you what, being in business at the automationschool.com for nearly 10 years now, nobody abuses it. And that's beautiful because people are, most people are good, right? So from there, we'll go over to an excellent article from the folks at Premio. And I got to get these guys on the show. This is a really good article about what is a supercapacitor. So we talked about the edge boost supercapacitor yesterday. And uh, so I was over on the site looking and they have this article. It's a couple of days old, but I just thought it was excellent. I wanted to share it with you. They really go into what a supercapacitor is. And I just wanted to show you this chart down here at the bottom. This is great for anybody. If you're new to supercapacitors, you have any junior people on your staff, de definitely excellent reading. This one down here, they have a side-by-side. -side. Now, I will ding them a little bit for doing the side-by-side -side with lead acid batteries. They really should have included uh, lithium batteries. But in any case, the facts on supercapacitors are excellent. Um, if you look at it, right, you can see charging times, right, for a supercapacitor or a bank of supercapacitors, you know, under five minutes, right? Sometimes even under a minute, and that's fast, right? And, you know, the downside, though, of supercapacitors, they don't hold the charge forever, okay? So they're showing here that, you know, over 30 days, you could lose 5 to 40% of your charge. So if you had a supercapacitor in your electric car instead of a battery, and you flew out of town for a month, when you came back, you may only have, if you were full when you pulled in, you may, you may have lost 40% of your charge by the time you get back. Now, to me, you know, I, I, I think that's still pretty dang good, right? But in any case, um, you know, if you put in something in long-term storage, that ain't going to be very good. So with that said, another thing to think about with supercapacitors is they may be more expensive than lead-acid batteries. Again, I'd love to see a comparison with uh, with uh, lithium-ion because we know in an EV today, if you have lithium-ion batteries... That's about 20 grand of the 40 grand price of your car, right? It's about half the price of the car. So I'd love to see that comparison. But um, not only do supercapacitors have a wider operating range, temperature-wise, minus 40 to 70 C, but they also don't use rare earth elements typically. They use just, they're not using these very hard to get and often unscrupulously mined rare earth elements. So in any case, uh, a lot of advantages of supercapacitors, and I really enjoyed this article. I wanted to share it with you. From there, we go over to ISA. They had a great article. I know we've talked about augmented reality quite a bit over the last few weeks. They have a great article that is talks about augmented reality in the manufacturing industry. And it also is kind of like a primer on it, too. They kind of talk about, like, what is AR? What is VR? How do they compare? What is mixed reality? So they do that at the beginning. And then they talk about where you can use augmented reality and some of the benefits of using it in industry. And uh, I thought they did an excellent job about this, um, you know, in, in describing how it works. We've talked about it, so I won't go through all of that again. But some of the high points in this uh, 
um, in this article include, you know, how it can increase the skill of operators by just giving them more information, right? And also reduce the risk of errors or nonconformities. Again, more information, more likely to make the right decision, right? And, uh, and that's really what this, all these uh, bullet points kind of boil down to. So excellent article over there at ISA. From there, we go to an article about uh, entitled, this is from Schneider Electric, entitled, we actually, by the way, have a great podcast coming out with Schneider and their smart motor control, I'm sorry, smart motor starters this afternoon. I'm uh, in the process of editing it now. It came out excellent. They also sponsored it, so it'll be commercial free, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. But a phenomenal, a great line of products. It's almost like a bank of I.O. I really enjoyed uh, learning about it. So look for that around 3.30 today. In any case, uh, back to this article from Schneider, justifying IT infrastructure spend with edge computing to improve manufacturing sustainability. Now, I don't share a lot of articles about sustainability because most of them are just like buzzword, trying to virtual signal, and that's, I'm a brass tacks guy. You know, it has to make sense. It has to work in the field. I don't want to hear anything about politics or virtual signaling, right? So in any case, uh, this article actually though does hit the, the nail on the head. And they talk about sustainability as the way to reduce costs and waste and ensure long-time viability of a business. If we look at the price of electricity and other energy sources, they've just gone way, way up, right? And so, you know, being more energy efficient is crucial to, to be able to keep the doors open. In reducing waste, most waste, right, is, is product being left on the floor. It's, it's money being left on the table. And so when we can reduce waste, and uh, reduce costs, right? That's keeping that's keeping our business afloat, right? And hopefully helping us make better products, helping us make uh, uh, better quality products, more profitable products, and being able to do quality of life things for our employees, right? Because without the employees, we have nothing, right? There's no company. So in any case, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good article. It's not one of those virtual signaling uh, articles that you, uh, you see so many of these days. And uh, I really thought they did a good job with it. From there, we go over to an article from Aviva. And they have this article about pulp and paper companies that use digital technology are beating the industry's productivity slump. So based on a recent report, you know, those pulp and paper companies who are not implementing uh, technology and digitization, which is a big buzzword today, um, they saw productivity drop by 8% between 16 and 21. So 2016 and 2021. So, um, but on the flip side, those who are modernizing and implementing digital technology and using the, the brains they've already installed out there, whether it be a PLC-5 or the latest PAC, right, um, they're actually seeing an increase in productivity. And I'll just go through their bullet points here. I think it is a great article, but uh, let me just hit the bullet points. Streamline new construction. Okay, so how many times have we seen a, a project stay on track, right? That it can be a huge effect on your productivity when new, new um, CapEx, uh, CapEx projects don't come online on time. Another one is empowering the workforce, right? So when, uh, as an employee, if you don't feel empowered, it's, uh, it's, it's not a good situation, right? So giving visualization, giving feedback to the employees is very important. Uh, transition to a circular economy. Again, we talked about waste and, and that recently in that last article. Uh, create an agile, optimized value chain and maintain reliable, efficient and safe operations which um, in many cases we have to do, right, to meet uh, the laws in our local areas. So good article there from Aviva. Uh, we also have another article from Global American, the industrial PC manufacturer. And uh, this is five factors you need to consider when choosing an embedded computer supplier. Now, 
We've been covering a lot of these folks. We have uh, people coming on the podcast to talk about uh, industrial PCs. And uh, so I'll just quickly go over their bullet points. First of all, you want to make sure you're getting an industrial PC uh, from a company that's going to add value to what you do. You want to have, make sure they have good customer service. I know I stopped doing business with any company that has bad customer service. Even if it means i got to drive an extra 10 minutes to get my Dunkin' Donuts, I will not stand for bad customer service. It's just like, as a parent, right, when my kids were little, um, you couldn't, you couldn't, you know, allow them to misbehave, right? You couldn't, like, if they were misbehaving in the store, I'd just take them out to the car and let the wife finish the shopping, right? And the same thing with customer service. You should never put up with poor customer service, right? Um, local U.S.-based tech support, I get so frustrated with my the company my wife chose for our cellular plan because all of their tech support is overseas and they speak very broken English. They're very nice people, but it's so difficult to communicate that this is a big bullet. This is a big point. You want to make sure you get that expertise. Make sure they've been, they're not a Johnny come lately. Make sure they've been in the business for a while. And I think all of the ones that we talk about have. And then price, right? And you want to look at the entire price, not just the, the sale price that you're going to get when you buy it, but also, you know, the cost of ownership, right? What is the uh, usability of the product? And what is the, um, you know, mean time between failure? How long is this thing going to last? And i is the company going to be around to replace it or service it if it breaks? So all really important points. Now, if you're into machine safety, Exida has a new machine safety goals um, article. It's very, very uh, interesting stuff for uh, the machine safety folks out there. Um, it talks about really the need to, you know, it's not a one and done type of situation, right? So you need to constantly monitor the safety of the machine. As new people come on board, as you make new products, you may have to adjust your safety plans, right? So I think they did an excellent article going through that, as well as talking about the documentation that goes along with the machine in this article. From there, we got some new publications out. We have new installation guidelines for the Kinetics 5500 servo drives from Rockwell. We just had them on last night on the podcast talking about Armor Kinetics. I totally enjoyed that podcast. Can't wait to release it to you guys, but uh, this installation instruction guide is on the 5500 series. Um, next, we have uh, installation instructions on their MCC, so receiving, handling, and storing motor control centers. Over at Siemens, we have a new operating uh, instructions for the Simocrane energy storage system, as well as a function manual for Cinematics Drive Sim Advanced. And if you use a fail-safe PLCs from Siemens, you'll definitely want to grab this one. This is a manual collection on the Cinematic fail-safe modules. So these manual collections are very popular. I know I recommend them in my courses about the S7 because they pretty much bundle up all the different uh, manuals that you need into one PDF. Great stuff. Uh, and we also have one manual from Emerson. This is on the Betis RTS 24-volt fail-safe power supply modification. This is a service manual. With that, we go over to uh, science and technology, other science and technology out of industrial automation. And Schneider is uh, announcing their pre-orders for Schneider Home, which is kind of like your panel board that would tie into your EV, to your batteries, to your generators, to your, your, your solar um, uh, power, and to your smart home system. So it's kind of an all-in-one solution. I thought it was very interesting. I wanted to focus in on they're coming, they're coming out with a new um, uh, a panel here. So for all your breaker, breaker panel, and it's called Schneider Pulse. It's not out yet, but it's very similar to the Leviton one we looked at a couple weeks ago. And uh, I love the fact that, uh, you know, it's smart home enabled, so you can turn breakers on and off and monitor them. And I also like the fact that um, 
It also has integration for uh, smart charging, the charge when your rates go lower. In some places you have higher rates during the day, so you don't want to charge during the day if you can avoid it. I also like the uh, built-in optimized backup. So if you do lose power and you're running off batteries or a generator, um, what circuits do you automatically shut off? And a lot of times we have to do that with a separate panel, right? So having that built into the uh, panel board is just excellent. So I wanted to share that with you. And then I have one other uh, science and technology article I wanted to share. And this is from IEEE Spectrum. And it's ready or not, AI enters the workforce. And it, the subtitle is chatbots may not be ready for the office, but that's not stopping people from using them. And I thought this would make so much sense. We, we, there's all these uh, silly memes and stories out there about people relying on AI, these algorithms to do their work, and then just the ridiculous results they get from it. But in any case, they, this article talks about how Microsoft and Google have already added AI products into their products. Like with uh, Microsoft, it's called, and I haven't tried it yet, it's called the Copilot for Office 365. And there's also a similar thing for Google Workspace. So I really enjoy this article. It's kind of off the topic of industrial automation, but I thought some of you, because most of us have to use Microsoft and Google, it's not an option to do our jobs. And so um, I thought it was very interesting and I wanted to share it with you this morning. With that, I want to thank our sponsor, theautomationschool.com. Uh, you know, PLC HMI and SCADA training at affordable lifetime prices, lifetime access, lifetime support. And um, just want to thank all our customers who have signed up over the years. Uh, I mean, we're going on 10 years. Next year will be our 10-year anniversary, and uh, there's no signs of slowing down here. So in any case, from there we go over to, um, hey, you know, if you think I missed something today, and we covered a lot today, right? There was a lot of news today compared to yesterday. If you think I missed something, click on the news tip link on the website and send us in your article. We also have a new talkback page, theautomationblog.com forward slash talkback. And you can send us your opinions or say hi. You don't have to use the the news tip link anymore to do that. You can do that right here with TalkBack. And I uh, also want to thank everybody. We're at, I think, 1,234 followers now on uh, automation.locals.com. You can follow for free. I got some new Q&A I got to do up here with some of the uh, folks. We've talked about a lot. Networking, VPNs, Panel V Pluses. This is what replaced my old theautomationforums.com. It's, it's more of a walled garden. It's easier for me. I can share software downloads. I can do all kinds of stuff up here. And again, it's totally free to follow. If you want to engage and become part of the community and post questions and read the back and forth, it's $2 a month. So I really appreciate everybody who's uh, done that. And uh, I know some of you guys do $3 a month, $4 a month. You know coffee is expensive. So in any case, automation.locals.com. And uh, I also want to send out a huge thanks. I have to check orders every day to make sure everything's processing correctly. And I just want to thank you guys again who picked up my eBooks either on Control Logics or Compact Logics or picked up one of my video collections. Really appreciate it, guys. Or if you picked up one of our coffee cups or T-shirts, thank you very much. Really appreciate that. That's at theautomationblog.com forward slash shop. And, you know, if you're still watching, I want to just point out a new feature here. I haven't pointed it out in a while. I had some people asking me about it. We have a new guide system. I spent several weeks putting this together. Basically, I took our 10 years of content and I divided it up into 16 different guides, okay? So if you look at the Control Logics or Compact Logics guide or Siemens guide, there are hundreds of articles in each of these guides that talk about, and I ordered them, in order from, hey, how to find your, your distributor to what is an S7 PLC to you know more and more advanced topics. It includes all the videos and articles on each topic. And they also show up here, okay? So here, this is just a list of all the different guides I have. But if I were to be on a Control Logics article, I would see that guide of all those articles here in the right. So whether you want to get to it from the homepage or get to it from the menu 
or get to it from the right link, you'll be able to get to all of our guides. So again, we have them on right now on Control Logics, Compact Logics, S7, 1500, 1200, Micro 800, Panel V800. Uh, Panelview 5000, Panelview Plus, VUSC, Micrologix, Slick 500, PLC5, RSV32. The, the, the farther you get down this list, the less articles there are typically. Um, messaging, though, I think there's um, 16 or 18 articles on all kinds of messaging between Allen Bradley PLCs. Um, got uh, Factor Talk Links and RS Links Enterprise and RS Links Classic. So uh, check those out 100% free. And uh, we, I did that just uh, for the community, just so you could walk through and see all the different things you can learn about any of those products. And with that, just a reminder that at the, after the show is done, this is a live stream, right? But after the live stream is done and uh, I edit it, I get it up to all the destinations. I edit out the uh, snippets for the different um, afternoon uh, sound bites that we send out. Um, I will come up here and put up every link in the order I covered it today. So you can always go to automate.news, no www, no.com, just automate.news and see everything we covered in today's show. And with that, I want to thank you all for tuning in today. That's kind of a longer show today because we had so much to cover. But I do want to wish you all a very happy, safe, and healthy day. And I'm just going to check the chat and uh, say hi to everybody who, uh, who commented today over there. And uh, I just, again, want to wish you all a very happy, healthy, and safe day. And until next time, my friends, peace.